Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christoginia Internet Radio. This program is being pre-recorded for Friday, May 4th, 2018. Praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for listening. Tonight we have something that we aren't quite accustomed to presenting at Christoginia, and that is an interview with a political candidate, Patrick Little, who is running for the Republican Party nomination for the United States Senate seat in the state of California. If he wins the nomination, and currently he appears to be a front-runner, he will challenge Dianne Feinstein in November's midterm elections. And we all know what sort of a devil Dianne Feinstein is. This should be interesting, I pray. After the interview with Patrick, we'll have our friend Donald Fox on to discuss issues of Jewish identity and how we must how we must identify Jews properly and convince our Christian brethren of that identity if we are ever going to overcome the treachery of the Jews. As long as evangelical Christians think that Jews are the people of the Old Testament, we are forever going to run into walls trying to reach our white evangelical or Protestant or even Catholic brethren with this message. Thank you for listening. Hello, we're here with Patrick Little. He, Patrick is a former U.S. Marine. He is currently, I believe, the Republican frontrunner set to challenge Dianne Feinstein for her seat in the United States Senate. Patrick has already been labeled as an anti-Semite, as a white nationalist, a white supremacist by the Jewish media, and he is meeting all of the usually usual slander directed at anyone who would challenge Jewish privilege in America today. Hello, Patrick. Thank you for being here. Well, hi. It's uh, glad to talk to you. It's good to talk to you. What do you? What What do you? I I I um I don't know where you came from. I know you're an ex-Marine, and and that's about it. I haven't had the chance to really look into your background. Maybe you could give us a quick rundown. I grew up in Maine. I spent some time in Germany, spent some time in D.C., spent some time in Florida, and I've been in California since I got out of the Marine Corps. Wonderful. So, what what of you is is this your first um? Getting out of the Marine Corps, is this your, your first dip into politics? Yeah, I was a Republican executive committee in Duval County, Florida, so Jacksonville, Florida, uh, prior to enlisting in the Marine Corps. Uh, but it, it was I was confirmed by the committee as opposed to voted for by the general population. So, yeah, this is my second time in politics, first time on a ballot. In American politics, it's, it's usually a... Um, act of suicide to mention anything about Jews in particular. Well, we're committing suicide if we don't talk about them. I mean, we have to expose their power and just get them out of power. They're killing us. 
Well, well, I, I, I absolutely concur. It, it's, I believe, it's going to be a long uphill battle. And, oh, yeah, and they've got infinite money. Uh, they've got all the media in their pocket. They own the media. Um, they're very well coordinated. Uh, I mean, this is an uphill battle, but ultimately, uh, you know, people who talk about Jewish power have the truth on their side. So eventually, we have to win. So what are, your what are your aspirations for this election? Are you? Uh, I mean, I don't want to um, be pessimistic whatsoever. No, no, I, I, my goal is to win. California. I think I can do it. I, I pray you could do it, but California is a hard place to overcome. Um, well, there's, there's been an ethnic cleansing here. Uh, there's been the encouragement of illegal immigration, and that's got whites down from like 90% of the population down to like 25% if you're looking at the people under age 30. Uh, it's We've been ethnically cleansed in less than two generations pretty much from California. And, uh, you know, there are parts of California that don't look like America anymore. They look like third world hovels. Uh, and that's just what happens when you have too much immigration too quickly from places where they have a uh, uh, different culture and uh, lower educational like and stuff. But yeah, no, it's uh, this is the first state in the union where whites went minority, um, and you can see what's happening. They've defaulted on their municipal bonds and their state bonds so many different times in this uh, in this state. I mean, it's not it's not sustainable what they've got going on here. So what is your, your, your basis for um, attacking Feinstein? I, I mean, I know that you've raised the issue that she's a Jew and she's a dual citizen. Yeah, she's a dual citizen of Israel. She voted for the Iraq war. She keeps on getting us involved in these wars of entanglement for Israeli interests to expand Israel so they can have their Nile to Euphrates dream that they have there. Uh, they... She's voting for all this money to Israel that's being used to commit genocide against Christian Palestinians, against Christian Syrians, against Christian Lebanese. Um, we're, we're talking about one of the most evil people in U.S. political history. And she's also uh, very, very, very rich. Very, uh, <laughs> uh, and she got very, very rich, uh, her and her husband, while she was in office. And I hear all sorts of rumors about stuff the Democrats have been doing in the state to enrich themselves. But... Uh, yeah, I'll save that for another time. I have to do show prep on that before I start going into details. But yeah, oh. uh, she's a t she's a terrible person. Uh, I've talked to people that have know that have overheard her yelling at Jewish women for not being married to Jewish men. I mean, she's a complete Zionist Jewish supremacist, and uh, she's a terrible person. She's terrible for this country. She's terrible for California, and she's especially bad for white people. She's I agree. Grab and Jew. I agree here. I, I agree with you 100%. I could talk about Feinstein and, and how her husband's companies have, have actually profited from some of Feinstein's policies in, in Washington. There's no That's doubt. That's what I'm hearing from most of the people that are political insiders that have reached out to me. But I, I really need to do my research. I don't want to libel her with something that isn't true uh, based on a detail that I fudged up. You know, I, I know in principle what we're saying is right. Absolutely. But I need to learn the details on all this stuff. I, I sympathize in, in your in, in your position. You have to be right. How did you get into this? How, how did you become aware of, of, of this um, Jewish privilege? I can only call it Jewish privilege, Jewish supremacism. I, I mean, Jewish supremacism is the only word for it. Yeah, I read Dr. Kevin McDonald's Cultural Critique trying to disprove who I thought were anti-Semites. And lo and behold you see the truth and you're an honest person you admit hey that's the truth 
So I said, yeah, Jews run after that. I went from being pro-Israeli and all that crap, kind of a Zio-Baptist, you know, uh, like Southern Baptists or one of those churches where the, every other word in their service is, Hail Israel, uh, you know, uh, referring to the Zionist occupational government of Palestine. And, um, yeah, I, I just was brainwashed, just like most Americans are brainwashed. But, I mean, I'm pulling at 18%, and I've been saying this stuff from the get-go, so I'm... The word of mouth is spreading person to person. Uh, most of the people that are voting for me sure as hell aren't going to admit it. But uh, if we can keep this up, if I can do my outreach to the Asians who are having all their spots taken from them at the elite universities by these nepotistic Jews, I, I can win this uh, election in November after I win this primary. Well, the Asians are another um, segment of the population that have been suffering from not only at the Jews, hands of these Jews, yeah. And, and Negroes as well, and, and, and yeah. how the Jews elevate the Negroes and, and ignore the, the, the... The blacks have suffered perhaps more than anyone uh, after the whites under these uh, Jewish supremacists. Uh, if you look at the type of culture that's been pushed on them, they had true leadership under Marcus Garvey. They didn't like it because they couldn't control him, couldn't use him as a weapon. Um, then they, they found someone who was a womanizer and was into bisexual orgies, and the FBI had him in the act, doing a bunch of orgies. This stuff came out last October, by the way. Uh, and uh, he was a terrible person. He would force people that attended his training seminars to participate in the orgies. And there were actually uh, black pastors and priests that said, I will have nothing to do with Dr. King. This guy is a maniac, uh, just a maniacal sex fiend. And uh, Marcus Garvey would have been the true leadership for the black community. Uh, but as you know, the NAACP was founded by uh, Marxist Bolshevik Jews in the, in the early 20th century. And they didn't let a black man on to uh, the presidency of that organization until the 1970s, like uh, more than half a century after it was established. Well, well so, that's yeah, right out of the that's, protocols. That's right out of the protocols. And nobody gets into any position of power un unless they're compromised morally. And, and that way, as soon as they step out of line, they could be discredited and, and forced out. Yeah, well, there are people that come into power, but they get shot. Uh, so I might be well, a good right. candidate for that if I win. But uh, I'm hoping I win. Uh, you know, I, I'm i hopeful that, uh, you know, I, I don't catch a bullet. But the, the real issue is, I mean, unless we remove these, these monsters from power, uh, we're all screwed anyway. So... In some ways, I think death would be better than what these uh, Zionist Jewish supremacists have planned for us. If you look at what's happening in South Africa, a lot of those guys that watch their families get gang-raped in front of them while they have their eyelids uh, slit off with a knife so they can't look away, uh, they, their heads are held facing as they watch their son be sodomized and their daughter and then their wife last, and the, then they watch the, the, all the family be tortured to death. And then they in turn are tortured to death. And these horrific scenes that the police don't share with the media, that uh, if neighbors come upon it first, they, re they, they record uh, all the proof of what happened there. But Jews uh, are not having their land confiscated from them in South Africa. They own all the gold mines. They own all the diamond mines. They stole it from the Boar and the English. And, uh, yeah, the, the roads and all them, they completely control all of the things that are worth a lot of money in South uh, Africa. And you better believe when the, the parliament down there, the South African uh, legislature, starts appropriating things from whites, they're, they're sure as hell not taking anything from these Jews that have 70 or 80% of the wealth in the country, just easy visible targets like white farmers and stuff. And this is what the Jews have planned for us in Europe, United States, Australia, New Zealand. 
There's nowhere to run. You run to Russia, they're trying to start war with Russia. These Jews are crazy. They're monsters. They're the worst enemy any people has ever had to face. And I, you know, I, w I wish to God that I was born in a time where I didn't have to participate in the struggle against these monsters. They're worse than anything that our people has ever had to deal with. I mean, just absolute... I mean, if you read the New Testament, and I know you're uh, a sect of Christianity, the description of Lucifer, the description of the devil in the New Testament describes Jewish group behavior to the T, to the T, the well, deception, the lies, the temptation, the carnal nature, everything. It's everything that they, that they use to tempt Goys into, into uh, cooperating with the Zionists is all the stuff that, 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 that uh, if you read the Bible, uh, uh, Jesus was tempted with on the mountain. This is, this, these are bad, bad people. This is a very bad group, and there might be some exceptions in that group, and I, I, I actually know there are some exceptions. When you're at war, when there's a people trying to wipe you out, you, you have to recognize just things for what they are. And uh, I don't wish any harm on anyone, but I'll, I'll be damned if I let our people be hunted down and destroyed like this in country after country. It's evil, and we need to call it evil, and we need to call it Jewish evil. I was listening yesterday to a California professor named Albert Ponce. He, he's a Latino, mm -hmm. ostensibly a Mexican. Talk about white, white privilege and white supremacy in the United States and, and attacking our history and totally mischaracterizing our history to make whites look as bad and as evil as possible. That is the precursor for the program that's going on in South Africa that the Jews want to bring here. There's no doubt that as soon as they get their majority in, in to the point where they are comfortable, they will yeah. begin such a program as we see in South Africa here. The, the, they're going to wait till that we're. They're going to wait until we're less than fifty percent. They're going right. to wait till we're probably twenty-five percent. So a few decades. Right. But uh, they're going to take our guns and stuff before that. Second Amendment, First Amendment, Fourth Amendment, Tenth Amendment. All that's out the window long before they, the machetes come out. Long before. Uh, but if you as we become a smaller percentage of the population, the more the incitement against us steps up. And as the more Jews multiply here, uh, there are less and less spots in the elite for non-Jews. So uh, you look at Harvard, 70% uh, 70 70 of top performing high school students are ethnically white, ethnically European. And, but we only get 12% of the entrance in, into Harvard undergrad. Only 12% in 2017 incoming class was, was white. And uh, the, the thing about that is the Jews were 67% of the graduate students at Harvard, despite being less than 3% of top-performing high school students. Yes, sir. I mean, that's hurting whites, that's hurting Asians, that's hate, hurting Mexicans, that's, hate, that's hurting everyone. And these Jews are getting away with it because anyone that starts to come along, they try and compromise you up. I was on my way back from uh, protesting APAC, and they, I, I had this, uh, like, 90-pound Asian girl in the seat next to me doing, like, yoga and stuff, and I've been on dozens of flights in my life. And she was telling me her car was at the airport, and, you know, kind of rubbing her leg against mine on the flight. And so I, I land and I go to the other side of the airport where, uh, and be, that's where the, the tram was to get to the subway system that called the BART in San Francisco. Go to the bathroom. I take a leak. I come out and there she is just kind of pretending to walk slowly by. And she's like, oh, I'm going to walk over to the parking lot, and my car's there. You know, you want to ride? And I'm just like, no, Shlomo, I'm, I'm not biting it. I mean, I, I'm married. Uh, <laughs> well, well of course. The they're, 
they're looking to make you weak and 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 probably to to subvert you to to their cause. What did uh, what did uh, carnal temptation look at? What uh, the devil tempted people with in the Bible? If you're Christian, look at what uh, what uh, that there is about the devil in there. Carnal temptation is one of the primary things that evil forces well, use to to co-opt people. I, I don't want to elaborate too much, but I'm, I'm from a sect of Christianity that's actually ridiculed. Even though I am confident that I can defend my beliefs on an academic level from um, classical antiquity and archaeological inscriptions and, and the Bible itself, but that doesn't matter because the Jewish paradigm it is, is so popular. It, it has been the only interpretation of Christianity for eight or nine hundred years now since um, before the inventing of the printing press, since the converso Jews in medieval Europe began writing the preponderance of biblical commentaries. They actually uh, brought over parts of the Talmud into the Apocrypha in the Catholic Church. Um, and also, uh, uh, that there, was, um, there were some religious wars that the Jews funded. Um, but, uh, yeah, you look, it's gotten even worse as time goes on. Look at the Pope saying that well, we've got this hostile religion coming in. These young white, uh, these young military-age men from from foreign lands that are hostile towards our culture, uh, that have a different faith. Let me kiss their feet and celebrate them above above the people that actually follow his own for, uh, religion, Catholicism. It's a. You look at the Schofield Bible. It's the same thing going on. It's cuckoldry. Uh, the uh, Christians of the the South, the, the evangelical Christians of this country, every other line. I've been to these these mega churches. I've been to evangelical churches. Every second line is "Hail Israel!" This, "Hail Israel!" That, a whole bunch of stuff from the Old Testament that applies to Jewish supremacism. Which, if you're Christian, you believe in the New Testament, and you you look at the Old Testament to understand what's in the New Testament. But you know, the cup. There's a uh, for Christians. There's the old the old covenant and the new covenant that supersedes it. And the, the, the Schofield Bible, reference Bible thing has brainwashed uh, these Christians, uh, most of these evangelicals, into just blindly doing whatever the hell Israel wants. And a lot of these pastors get private flights to Israel once a year. <laughs> well, well, Schofield wasn't alone. The, the Bullinger Bible, E.W. Bullinger's Bible, did very much the same thing. The Schofield Bible turned out to be more popular. But but the Jews have been doing that since um, Paula, Paula Burgos and Nicholas of Lira in the 13th century and Paula Burgos in the 14th century. Paula Burgos was a Spanish rabbi. He, he was in Castile in northern Spain. He converted to Christianity. He was the archbishop within 10 years of the yeah. biggest city, the capital city of Castile. Yeah, I uh, interesting thing is that during the time of the Reconquista, when Europeans were taking back their land from the invaders, um, is, uh, Isabella and uh, Isabella and who was the other guy? Ferdinand. Ferdinand, yes. Sorry, I'm a little overtired. Uh, uh, the Jews that had been doing the tax farming and stuff for the invading uh, people that had occupied that uh, Iberia for centuries wrote a uh, letter to the Jew who was the head of uh, the king of the Jewish people of. of of uh, of Constantinople, uh, he, the no, I'm sorry, he called himself the Prince of the Jews, uh, which was just like their head rabbi in uh, in Constantinople, and uh, he, he asked, "What do we do here? 
uh, we're going to be forced to convert to Christianity or be killed. And they said, well, can, uh, the response uh, from, from this Jew in Constantinople that he wrote to for advice was convert to Catholicism and subvert it from within. And that's exactly what they've done. Well, well, absolutely, they have, and and that letter is a legitimate letter, and I, I, I oh, you know uh, about this letter? Oh, I've presented it on my podcast. It's in part of my yes. Jews in Medieval Europe series of of podcasts. I eleven podcasts that are like probably a hundred and fifty type pages of information on things very much like your letter so and and how the jews subverted europe through freemasonry and it it was two-pronged it was the secret societies on one side and infiltration of the church and corruption of the doctrines on the other side and yep. and it's a complicated story but it it began it it began in the first century a.d because apostolic christianity was persecuted out of existence and even then, Clement of Alexandria, who who was a um, a Gnostic, and Augustine, who was uh, in in the Neoplatonism, and Neoplatonism is the forerunner of the Kabbalah, and and that there's a lot of our early oh, so-called uh, the, church the, the, fathers, the Gnosticism stuff, right? Right, and and they were okay. corrupted by Jews. Yeah, I, I feel like we're, we're really going down this, uh, we're turning in this, let, let, let's steer back towards the camp, but I've studied this stuff too, I, I read, right. in the last year and a half since I woke up, I've read a bunch of books, I read Martin Luther, uh, he said if a Jew approached him asking to be baptized uh, to, his, uh, to, to his Christian faith, he said, uh, I, I would put a rock around their neck and throw them off a bridge and, and say as I threw them, uh, I baptize right. you in the name of Abraham. Uh, by this he meant to say um, most of the converts aren't authentic converts. They're just seeking to subvert. That, uh, they smelled they smelt the new church and right. they said, okay, this needs to be subverted. That's Martin Luther. So, that's on the Jews and their lies. That was written in 1543. Luther died in 1546. It took Luther 30 years to realize Jewish treachery. He was very friendly to the Jews all throughout his career. He was in league with them against the Catholic Church. But over his career, he realized their treachery. And, and that's what I'm getting at. The Jews have been... Um, infiltrators and subverters of everything good, not only for 2,000 years, but for 5,000 years because they aren't who they say they are. And, and yep. I know that's a whole different story, but the Bible clearly identifies the Jews as the Antichrists. The word Antichrist is only in the Bible five times. It only appears in the first and second epistles of John. And when he uses it, the context is clear that he's talking about the Jews collectively. My I, I think it's become pretty apparent uh, through this ma modern babble they're trying to build here uh, that, uh, yeah, what they're doing is evil. And it's evil according to what's in the New Testament. And right. It's clear as day what they're doing. By deception, deception is evil. The motto of Israel's armed forces is, by deception we wage war. That's right. the motto of the Mossad. They're constantly using false flag attacks. Uh, well, at the same time, they're appearing to the, through our Talmud visions, the television, to be this this great angelic state. You know, in the in the meantime, they're completely destroying every European country. Uh, the the immigration policies of this country and Europe are completely controlled by Jews. Uh, the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society has been behind a lot of the legislation we've had that has just destroyed white communities in this country. And uh, they they're not stopping. They're kicking us while we're down and 
anyone that thinks that uh, running on a campaign where you don't name this evil, where you don't name the Jew, and you don't have to be, you don't have to be a man of religious faith or a man of uh, the Bible or anything like that to recognize what the Jews are, are doing. I, I'm trying to outreach to everyone of moral character, not just whites, and say, and say what these Jews are doing is the most evil thing that anyone has ever attempted in history. Genghis Khan was evil, but at least he was honest about what he was doing. The deceit in what they're doing and how they're doing it makes it more evil than what uh, Genghis Khan even did by there, magnitudes. There is an incredible plethora of video evidence, of documented evidence in Jewish publications that Jews are behind the whole gay rights thing. Jews are behind yep. the civil rights thing, as you mentioned. They're behind gay rights. That they're behind well, when this whole. you say whole... civil rights, you mean stripping whites of civil rights. That's well, what the well, civil right. rights act was. They're behind the ahead. whole tranny thing. They're behind the immigration, the mass immigration into all white nations. They are the ones who agitate for special privileges for immigrants, tax breaks for immigrants, so that we have a massive wealth transfer from wealth from whites yeah. to to non-whites in every single nation. We are being absolutely disenfranchised. It's so clear that the Jews are behind this. Oh yeah, and the only thing is, it's it's not a matter of facts. It's not a matter of integrity when approaching this. I've known people that are you know, high, high integrity uh, that are, you know, that love facts. It's emotional it's programming. It, it's like literally calling someone an anti-Semite nowadays is like calling someone a, a witch in the 17th and century. That emotional programming comes from those denominational churches. It's a very and, and difficult television. hurdle. I mean, they call it television programming for a reason. Right, Talmud vision. It, it's a, it, right, it's a very difficult thing to overcome. It, it really is. It's a big challenge to us, and we have to meet it. I, 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 sat, I spent two weeks reading Culture of Critique, which is just a giant red pill after red pill on this, saying that can't be true, looking it up. For, for hundreds of pages, everything I see, I'm like, no, that's, that, this anti-Semitism, it can't be true. This is just... I had no reason other than I was emotionally programmed to do this. I, and finally, halfway through the book, after I'd fact-checked so much stuff, I said, okay... Okay, the author isn't a liar, and then I just kept reading, and I just my life uh, was turned on its head. I had done everything I could to prove that author wrong as an anti-Semite, and no one will even review his book. You'll notice, no, not one person has reviewed his book. You understand that, right? None of these 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 academics, these scholars, have reviewed his book. I They'll slander him. They'll say it's anti-Semitic, but no one will review the book because. I went in there with the mindset of trying to disprove an anti-Semite, and I came out of there liberated from this. Just I was on my my path to well, to understanding how the world really works, and everything started to make sense. <laughs> being a wasp, a, a wasp churchgoer and a marine, you overcame a, a, an incredible programming. I I know more than anyone because. I have a son that was a Marine for eight years. I have I a have, brother... Actually, I was, I was raised Irish Catholic, but uh, but go ahead. Okay, I, I was Irish raised Irish, Irish Catholic, Catholic also in, in the Northeast, right? Okay. I, I have a brother that was 32 years Command Master Chief in the Navy. He, he's, okay. um, he has the same programming, right? He cannot... I, I talk to him and he gives me a blank stare. None of it registers. I can't talk to him about religion or politics. He's the, the, the um, same place you were before your awakening. I, I don't know what kind of spark I would have to set off to get him to think. It just doesn't happen. I, I know what you should do. 
do what they did to me. Uh, uh, challenge him, say, approve pr this anti-Semitic book wrong. You find a single lie in this book. You find a single inconsistency in this book, and I'll shut up to you about this stuff. Right. Kevin McDonald did some excellent work on, on the Frankfurt School and its workings here in, in America. I know because I did a, I, I read the book so that I could do a podcast with him on that topic, and I did. And it was a very, um, by my standards, it was a very popular podcast, right? <laughs> well, it, that book, uh, it's exactly what I needed because I was looking for something that was structured and academic that could be disproven. And so right. it was all structured in a scientific way. It was uh, it was all well cited. So I said, okay, I'll just I'll just find where this guy is intentionally misciting something or taking something out of context, and I couldn't do it. And you know what? Uh, I still had when I finished the book, I still had a lot of my emotional programming. But at that point, I started reaching out to people that were woke, that helped me overcome the emotional programming. I, shit! For two weeks after I read that book, I still thought the Holocaust was a thing. Right, and that's another thing that's so easy to debunk is the Holocaust, yeah. but it's all you hit all those same emotional triggers. People yeah. don't want to hear it. No, they can't. Long after I was woke, I was I was ready. I was freshly awoken. I was red hot, like lightning had just struck iron. I was pissed. I was ready to just go to war with the Jews without any plan. You know, uh, just go out on the street corner and start screaming, the Jews run the country, the Jews are the reason uh, whites are being displaced everywhere, the Jews are behind this anti-white programming on TV. I, you know, I, I wanted to do that. And uh, I still, when someone came up to me and said, you know, the Holocaust is a lie, right? I said, whoa, 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 cra easy there, crazy. <laughs> and then I had to spend a few weeks looking at Aaron Sindel's stuff, and I, I, that was the last thing where I, I really was trying to disprove something. And... Uh, yeah, no, the Holocaust is the biggest load of bullshit in history. I mean, there isn't a single shred of proof of any of these Jewish allegations. I mean, and all the people making these allegations are like the children and grandchildren of quote-unquote Holocaust survivors. The grandchildren and great-grandchildren of people that were quote-unquote Holocaust survivors are getting paydays. They're getting paychecks. Exactly, and, and, and they're Holocaust survivors because they were in their grandfather's testicles when he was in Auschwitz. It, it's absolutely incredible. The, yeah. the number has grown exponentially yeah. of, of Holocaust survivors. The, I, I believe the last, and I don't know if you're there yet, I, I believe the last and hardest pill to swallow is that Adolf Hitler and the National Socialists in Germany were actually Christian men doing what they could to defend Germany from the same people. Oh yeah, Hitler. Uh, the only thing he did wrong was not eating meat. I mean, and uh, he spent so much of the resources that Germany could have used to make war, keeping the Jews well fed. He gave them ice cream, swimming pools. Uh, they had concert halls, uh, soccer teams, soccer fields, uh, orchestras. Money. Uh, they, they, they had, had bordellos, whorehouses. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's uh, the craziest shit. The level. I mean. The, the internment camps that the Jews had under the Germans made the internment camps we had for the Japanese look like just medieval torture chambers. I mean, the, what, what, the, what the Japanese were put in in the United States was a million times worse than the luxurious resorts that the Jews had under the Germans. Right. They were nice little communities, but the Jews had to work during the day, and that was the sin. That the, the the Nazis, the evil Nazis, committed was to make the that Jews work. That is what pissed. That is what pissed the Jews off. They had to do handwork. That 
pissed them off. Eight hours a day they had to work. And, uh, yeah. Oh, God, that's the greatest hit sin in history, isn't it, Joy? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> oh, God. You mean I need to earn, I mean, need to earn my keep through something other than ripping off uh, Gentiles? Oh, my God. <sighs> well, well, Patrick, I, I mean, I don't want to really put you over your time. I know you're a busy man. It, it's 30 minutes now, and I really appreciate this, and you're a breath of fresh air. I, I don't believe that we have a political solution to our woes. I'm confident we don't, but that doesn't mean that we can't use politics as a vehicle, and that doesn't mean that we can't succeed, and I pray that you do. Let's wake people up. Let's try and win this election, but uh, let's be sure to wake some people up along the way. Well, and, I uh, definitely... You know, my family thinks I'm crazy at this point. <laughs> Just, like, distance yourself. <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, this is a sacrifice. I was making good money. Um, never gonna make good money again. I just I hope to come out of this in one piece and free of the Jewish tyranny over me and over you. Well, well I, Jewish tyranny. I know how it feels not to make, not to be able to make money. I've been doxxed for twenty years now. Um, I, I pray that you make it, and and we'll pray for your safety in in this endeavor. It's it it's definitely takes a backbone to do what you're doing. I uh, I just. The only thing I know what to—it's the only thing I know since I—I I, I read Culture of Critique and I've been studying all these books. The the one way forward is to first remove, uh, remove this evil tyrannical rule we have over us, and whatever we do after that, whatever form of government we're going to have, maybe it'll be just the same constitutional republic as before. Who knows? That none of that matters compared to just getting these Jews out of power. And thank you for having me on. Don't forget to vote. Uh, for me on June 5th in California, if you're hearing this in California, and if you, you're not in California, call a friend in California and tell them to vote for me. Let's give white children a future again. Thank you, Patrick, and God bless. God bless. Goodbye. Okay, that interview with Patrick Wet Patrick Little went fairly well, and I had hoped and Don had hoped to be there for the interview, but he was tied up on his regular JFK program and he couldn't get to me in time and and Patrick beat him to it and I couldn't cut in so so we just had to roll with it without Don now I have Don Fox here with me this evening and Don was actually I believe the impetus or or the catalyst which got the, got the Patrick Little interview for me so hello Don thanks for being here hey good to be uh, back with you again uh Bill and uh, yeah, it was a great interview with Patrick. Um, I'm glad uh, he's now aware of some of your work. Well, well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate you getting it for us. And and um, I, I wish it was longer. I wish we could have got deeper into Jewish identity. But uh, I I mean, he's a politician. He really didn't want to go there and get into um, religious disputes. I, I kind of can't blame him for that. It it doesn't serve no, I, his immediate purpose. I mean, he's he's alienating a certain amount of people just coming out naming the Jew, and so I mean, I I get it. You're, he's a guy that's actually trying to get votes, so you can only go so far. But that's why there's guys like you and me who aren't campaigning for anything, <laughs> right? And, and wouldn't get our own votes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we just don't really kind of give a shit. So we're I'm just gonna let it all hang out. You know, I've been I got doxxed six years ago so 
um, I'm out there. They know where, you know, they know me. Um, they've come after me for years and years. So, um, you know, the, the Jewish tyranny is nothing new to me. Well, I certainly couldn't get a job. And I can only thank God that I, I, I don't have to get one yet. Or, or at least um, other than what I do at Christagenia, which really is kind of a couple of full-time jobs. I, I like to think, anyway. I shouldn't um, go there either, though. That this um, one of the things to overcome here. I, I mean, Kevin McDonald. I I did a podcast with him on a culture of critique, and I did um, discuss quite frankly the issue of Jewish identity with him and the Bible. He listened. McDonald is a a, a really um, He's a good guy to talk to, and, and he's a good listener, and he's willing to listen to opposing points of view. And and to me, that's the big um, gaping hole in his work, is that he takes for granted that the Jews are the people of the Old Testament. And and nothing could be further from the truth. But it it's... Um, it, he, he has this whole book built around this idea that this group psychology from their Old Testament experience is why they act like they do today. Yeah, it's I've seen that with Kevin McDonald and you know and uh, David Duke kind of makes that same mistake if, if you want to call it a mistake. Um, right. I liken it to some of the people in like the JFK research community and one thing about conspiracy theorists is we've all we all love minutia and we've all got our pet theories like um, you know there's certain people that you know cling to one theory or another and then if something comes along that kind of blows that up they well they've already invested 20 years of their life on this one theory or one photograph or movie whatever it's right. hard to just chuck all that work Right, because it's wrong. Absolutely, know? and with McDonald, I do believe it's a mistake. He, he's a psychologist. He's not a historian. He's not a theologian. With Duke, it's not a mistake because he was introduced to Christian identity in the seventies, but by a lot of pretty bright men, and and he rejected it, and and took the the path that he chose that he's been on the the last forty years, fifty years. He rejected Christian identity. And and I, I tried to explain to Patrick Little on the phone yesterday before the interview, we spoke for about 30 minutes, that, I, I mean, he knows that I'm, I'm an identity Christian. It doesn't matter if you get the um, the white identity part. I, I don't. I know that's hard, a hard pill for people to swallow. But the the truth about Jewish identity is right open in in books that Josephus and and Strabo and Paul of Tarsus. It, it's right there in front of your face. You know, even before I I came in contact with some of your work, I was uh, uh, well. As most of the audience knows, you know, I started out in nine eleven and. Then I figured out Jews did it, and I'm I'm like, well, why would they do something like that? What I mean, we give them so much money and da da da. What, what's going on there? So, you know, I, it didn't take me long to realize that a I didn't know much about the Jewish people in general, and you know, I, I knew next to nothing about Judaism except that they had rejected Christ or 
they didn't believe Christ was the Messiah, I guess was all I really knew. I, I, so I started digging into this stuff in you know, 2013, 2014. I, I started digging into it, and I was on the Jewish virtual library, and even there they admit that they're descended from the Canaanites. If, if you do some digging, the Jewish, the mainstream Jewish historical sites admit this stuff. Well, well, I mean, they, they should because it's true. I mean, a Jew isn't going to lie 100% of the time. Um, nobody could lie all the time about everything. And, and a, a lot of the truth does come out in some of their own writings. It is, there's no doubt about that. I, I mean, they have their own, um, their, their own reasons for telling the truth. And, and I really believe that, that they really think that all of those things are going to be internal to them. And Goyim aren't going to read this stuff. Uh, I mean, I really do. Well, for the most part, most people don't read it, so they're right there. But there are a few of us who are motivated that do. And it even talks about that in the protocols where it says that, uh, you know, they can't stop an individual genius, you know, and that uh, personal initiative is their biggest enemy. You know, if people actually put in the, the effort, they can figure this stuff out. Which is why they love television, because it sucks all of the personal initiative out of you. Yeah, like if you, this is one thing I, I do agree with Alex Jones on. He was talking about, and he interviewed some guy, this must have been 10 years ago, and I still listen to him. Um, they were talking about all the brain dead people out there, and the guy said, one of the guests, and I, I don't even remember who it was, um, he said, you know, you just would walk down the street at night. You know, like if you go down the street at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night and the sun goes down, it's dark, but out, out of every window you can just see this blue glow. You know, it, it's the mind control. Right, absolutely. But you won't see it outside my house. No, or or ours. Yeah. <laughs> you won't see it here either. Well, well. I liked Patrick Little, and, and I think that he has some backbone. I mean, it takes backbone to do what he's doing. Um, I, I, I don't know if he's going to be, I, I don't think he's going to win the Senate seat. That's my personal opinion. I, I would love to see him make a good run for it and, and get his message out there. It would be a wonderful thing if he won that primary. Yes, it would. That would truly be a miracle if he was able to win it, and you know, I've heard him say, like, a lot of people think, well, he isn't really serious about winning, but the interviews I've heard him in, that's not his approach. He's he's taking this thing, hey, if I can just get a certain percentage of these people, in, you know, in this area, I've got a shot. And because he doesn't need to win the whole election in June. He just needs to get on the ballot. Right. He seemed dead serious about winning. I didn't think he was kidding. No, I, no. He's, I didn't think he was pulling not, my leg. No, he is not screwing around. He is he is going to win it, and he's going up against world jewelry. Um, and good luck with that, sir. You know, we are, we are behind you 100%. But, I mean, Diane Feinstein, let's face it, that is, I mean, you talk about a swamp creature. I mean, she's a, what, multimillionaire, and she's got the backing of world jewelry. I mean, you're really, and, and let's let's not not to mention the media and the Hollywood machine. I mean, she is going to be tough to unseat in California. Yeah, well, his, her husband has made millions of dollars 
for, for his companies off of her China policy. I, I mean, there's so many things that they're like a two-person crime ring. Yeah, I had read some of that stuff a couple of years ago, and, um, you know, like, like Patrick said, I, I don't remember all the details in the article, but, yeah, it was it was just like her her net wealth has just skyrocketed during her time in the Senate. I don't know how that can't be a considered a conflict of interest when, when she's setting policy and, and his companies are dealing in the same area where she's setting policy. It, 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 and it's crazy. <clears throat> and it's just how blatantly in your face these Jews are today that they know that nobody's going to pull them over for, for yeah, doing who, that. Who watches the watchers? You know? There's, I mean, what was the SEC going to do something to her? Or, you know, is, are, is local law enforcement going to do anything? Is federal? No, of course not. No, they should have done it 10, 12, 15 years ago. Yeah, I mean, is there a more corrupt organization than the SEC? Well, I suppose, I mean, you've got the FBI, you've got, you know, the BATF, um, E. Uh, they do explosives now too. Um, you know, you've got the CIA, but I mean, the SEC. I mean, all these senators are cashed in massively, and yet you never hear about any SEC investigations on any of these people. They're all they've all bought low and sold high in the stock market. Every damn one of them. Yeah, like the time that Hillary. Um, parlayed a thousand dollars into like a hundred thousand or something like that. Yeah, yeah, the cattle future. Well, thing. We're yeah, supposed to was... believe that she's some sort of um, commodities wizard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Again, you know, I, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I'm not a coincidence theorist. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's so, it's an incredible world. Well, I'm sorry. Go on. I was going to say it, it's it, it's a bigger mess out there than anyone realizes, and uh, we can only pray that eventually here that it, it it gets shut down. Well, well, I had this message from men like Patrick Little. I don't know if you want to suffer through it with me, and and maybe we'll talk about it or, or whatever, a paragraph at a time, or when you have anything you want to add, you could you could add to it. It it to me, this is in, important to get across. And, and it's, I, I um, made some of these points in the program, but in, in, in the, the interview, I got some of it in, into our discussion, and I might repeat them here, but to, to me, men who, like Patrick Little and, and like Kevin McDonald, are aware of Jewish treachery, but they continue to take for granted the Jewish claims to their identity, and and doing that, they they're really falling short, and in in my opinion, and I believe that unless you really recognize the truth of Jewish identity, you will never get to the bottom of the rabbit hole. You will never succeed at overcoming the Jews. Yeah, I believe you're right on that. And uh, yeah, if you want to go through these notes, uh, I, I think that would be uh, uh, a good idea. And uh, yeah, if I feel the need, I'll, I'll jump in and say something. Yeah, great. For, first, we must assume that, and, and we're all 
whites and and we're all marginally Christian, right? I I mean, when I do that, when I say that, I'm speaking to white nationalists in general because I know that this podcast may get may attract a wider audience than just my identity Christian audience. First, we must assume that Christianity is true. And the best evidence in favor of that is found in in the contention that thousands of martyrs were not willing to die as they did on behalf of a lie. And the deaths of these thousands who bore the Christian Christian testimony begins in the book of Acts and it's carried down through many witnesses testify to these things in in the succeeding generations the histories of Josephus and Tacitus and Suetonius and and the letters of Pliny the Younger and and then it goes into the early Christian writers and and into medieval historians who repeat all these things who talk about the Christian martyrs in 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 Roman times Christ himself was mentioned by some of these early historians that these are first and second century historical witnesses which cannot be denied. Although Jews and Jewish influenced academics constantly contend with them because they really upset the Jewish apple cart, the Jewish um, assertions about Christianity. And, And many inscriptions and many ancient papyri which had been dug out of the ground and and accurately dated also validate the New Testament and the truth support the truth of Christianity as well as the entire historical record which has been laid down generation by generation since that time all these things support the truth of Christianity After these, we have the surviving writings of a string of later Christian witnesses who are very inaccurately but popularly called the Church Fathers. Most of them were early Christian bishops whose writings were esteemed for one reason or another and they were preserved. Sometimes they were interpolated by the later Church scribes. The Church Fathers are not often in agreement on on diverse subjects and the church fathers were not even all completely Christian as many of them admit to following pagan philosophies and introduce elements of such into their Christian understanding. Neither has any church ever accurately followed any of these church fathers the Catholic Church did not develop its own doctrines from their writings. The Apostles taught a Christianity which was not for Jews. Christ said that my sheep hear my voice and then he clearly told his opponents you do not believe me because you are not my sheep and he meant it just the way he said it. The Apostles also taught that the Old Testament was a Christian book and not a Jewish book. Some of the earliest Christian writers reflected this same understanding, such as Ignatius in his Epistle to the Magnesians, where he wrote that it is absurd to profess Jesus Christ and to Judaize, for Christianity did not embrace Judaism, but Judaism Christianity. Ignatius was the third bishop of Antioch. He was a direct student 
of the Apostle John. We do not have the worldview which the Apostles had, but it can be reconstructed through a thorough understanding of ancient history, for which we have to go back all the way to the time of Abraham. We don't have the time to do that here. Christianity was for twelve tribes spread abroad in nations quite distant from Judea that could be established from the record of Acts in the in the statements of Paul. In Acts chapter 22, Paul said that he was told by Christ to go off to distant nations. In Acts chapter 26, he says that the hope in Christ is for the 12 tribes. It's yeah, that, absolutely... Yeah, right there, Bill, is a key point. Um, when I was confronted with the, the CI uh, message a few years ago, I started, well, I immediately put my nose back in the, in the New Testament. And right there, as soon as I saw where I'm like, that's right, Christ said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right, and they were spread across distant nations and, and consisted of 12 tribes. And, and that's clear in the book of Acts, that they're not in Judea. Where are they? Who are they? They're, they're not Jews. Yeah, none of the apostles went to Africa. They didn't go to, uh, you know, China. Right. That they went to Europe and, and Mesopotamia. That there are there are myths that they went to um, Central Asia or India, and all of those are, are later um, embellishments that that can't be proven that they can't be proven or established from any original documents. But yes, the apostles went to Europe. That they went to Europe and Mesopotamia. Christianity, but rather, yeah, but rather go under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right, and that was it. And, and where Christ said, go to the nations, the nations, not just any nations, he, he meant those same lost sheep of the house of Israel. That, that's, why Christ, that's why James wrote his epistle to the 12 tribes spread abroad. That, that's why Paul expressed the concept that the hope in Christ was for the 12 tribes. Christianity was for the 12 tribes spread abroad in nations quite distant from Judea, as the apostles attested in the epistles and other records, which we have in the New Testament, and Christianity was a rem what was for a remnant of those same people in Judea. But not all Judeans were those people. And to understand this, we have to go back a couple of hundred years before Christ. That Now this, like Patrick said, he didn't want to get caught up in... in um, issues of, of biblical interpretation and doctrine, but this is very clear history. That this you don't have to um argue about biblical interpretation to understand this. What what I'm about to present. That nearly all of the ancient people of Israel were deported out of Palestine, first by the Assyrians and then by the Babylonians. And we know where they went. In the subsequent aftermath Edomites and Ishmaelites and other Canaanite tribes had moved from the south and east into much of the territory formerly held by the Israelites. 
which that territory was known by the Greeks in the early period as Palestine and Phoenicia. Only about 45,000 or so of them were ever recorded as having returned to Jerusalem in the Persian period. These people thrived in that era, as well as in the subsequent Hellenistic period. They did very well. It can be proven from ancient history that the vast majority of those who did not return and who were never once called Jews in ancient history migrated into Europe and Central Asia, developing into the early nations of those regions which are known from classical antiquity. Of course, Greek and Roman culture preceded them in Europe, but their roots are also clearly identified in Mesopotamia and the Levant. Of those 45,000 or so who returned to Jerusalem, in the second century before Christ, they were caught up in the wars between the Ptolemies and the Seleucids. The Ptolemies were the Greek rulers of Egypt, and the Seleucids were the Greek rulers of Syria <coughs> and Anatolia, and, and they were the successors of those portions of the empire of Alexander. And those returnees from Jerusalem, they were caught up in these wars between the Ptolemies and the Seleucids until they themselves successfully revolted and became independent around 150 BC. That independence lasted until the coming of the Romans about 80 years later. This period, this 70-year period of independence, this is a crucial period to understanding the New Testament. This period must be properly understood in order to even begin to comprehend the subsequent history of Roman Judea. And, and this is where the histories of Josephus are invaluable and he himself cites the historians whom he had followed for this period. He is corroborated in part by the books of the Maccabees and in part by Strabo of Cappadocia, Strabo the geographer he's often called, and by the New Testament itself. He is also corroborated by several of the later Old Testament prophets especially Ezekiel and Malachi, but we won't go there. That would be subjected to disputatious religious interpretation. Independent Jerusalem had no king, but it was instead ruled over by the family of high priests. In the later years, one of them, Alexander Janius, declared himself to be king. This is about 90 B.C., and the declaration was carried by his successors. In the first segment of this 70-year period, the Maccabees, as the early members of this family of priests called the Hasmonean dynasty came to be called, the Maccabees spread out from Jerusalem and began to attempt to recapture all of the former territory of ancient Israel. Doing so, they evicted or destroyed the inhabitants of the various neighboring cities. But being greatly outnumbered and being a relatively small nation, 
the policy was never entirely successful because they never seemed to be able to hold on to any of those cities permanently. Much of this is evident in the books of the Maccabees found in the King James or the Catholic Apocrypha. And the books of the Maccabees leave off with the ascension of John Hyrcanus to the position of high priest around 130 BC. About this same time, sects began to appear among the Judeans, as the people of Jerusalem were called. One early sect was the Pharisees, which means separatists. I believe that they originally wanted to maintain the earlier policy and remain separatists. The earlier policy is what the Old Testament insists upon, that the people of Israel remain a separate people. And they became a sect in Judea because John Hyrcanus was a liberal. That's why they started to break into sects. He began okay, a shift. Yeah. That, that's a key point, Bill, that uh, um, we're supposed to be a separate and holy people. Right. Uh, and, and originally the people in Judea understood that. And, and, and really, if you read Ezra and Nehemiah, they really fought to maintain their separation. I think, you know, okay, now, maybe the modern white nationalist doesn't really care much about the Pharisees, but maybe, maybe one, one point we could, we could maybe try to, uh, to hit home with people is, hey, look, what the Bible is, it, it's really, it, it's the book of the white race. And how do we maintain our white race? Well, right. we have to stay separate. And, and this is a story of a very small portion of that race who, who basically... Um, try to hold on to their original city after other races moved in and and took their land and and they wanted it back that they wanted to gentrify ancient Israel <laughs> yeah, exactly well look at the South Africans okay when they were under apartheid they did okay um, after apartheid not so much well, well right well, well John Hyrcanus came to be high priest in 130 BC, he was a liberal. He began a shift in policy towards the forced conversion and assimilation of the surrounding peoples. That's sort of like we did with the Negroes in, after the Civil War. These surrounding peoples were primarily Edomites that were mixed in with Ishmaelites and other Canaanites, all of which groups had always been considered to be accursed bastards by the ancient Israelites. He said, oh, we can't drive these people out. We can't really keep them out of our land. What We can never reclaim these cities because these people outnumber us. They always move back in. So let's just convert them. That's what he started to do. Convert them and force them to your side one group at a time is what every empire does. What with um, what with its the, the peoples of surrounding nations, but the, the folly is you can't convert a Jew to being a Christian. What well, well right, and you can't convert a, a nigger to being a Christian. Right, this well, was never meant for them. These people were always accursed. They were all race mixed bastards. That goes back way back into Old Testament history, and and that this religion was never meant for them. No, there, it, it, 
and as you say, Christianity is not really a religion. It's a racial covenant. Right. And these, these people are outside of that covenant. We shouldn't have any dealings with them. Well, this, this is the, the pivotal point in understanding the New Testament. Because in several places, in Book 13 of his Antiquities of the Judeans, Josephus reports on the success of this new policy. And over the next 50 years, from John Hyrcanus down to Alexander Janius, most of the people of the Edomites and these other remnant and accursed tribes that were in Palestine were systematically incorporated into Judaism, which is what the Greeks had called the religion of the Judeans from the beginning of the Hellenistic period. It was called Judaism after Judea, after the geography, because that was what they understood was the religion of the people of that land, right? So Strabo, Josephus describes this, um, these forced conversions of Edomites over a 50-year period, and Strabo of Cappadocia, who wrote before 25 AD, right? Strabo didn't have an axe to grind. He wasn't a Christian. He didn't care really about Judaism. He didn't know much about it. He didn't write about it. Strabo wrote before 25 AD, before Christ ever began his ministry, before there was ever any contention over Christianity, and, and from a general and objective pagan Greek perspective, Strabo said in the 16th book of his geography that the Edomians, who are the Edomites, are Nabataeans, which is the name of an Arab tribe, but owing to a sedition, they were banished from there, joined the Judeans, and shared in the same customs with them. Now, I don't really know what um, Strabo was talking about when he believed that the Edomites were banished from the land of the Nabataeans. But by Strabo's time, the Nabataeans were living where the Edomites used to live before the, the Persians came, before the Babylonians took all the people of Judah away. And the Edomites moved into the land, the old land of Judah and Israel. And, and that's very clear in the, the Persian and Hellenistic period histories, that the Edomites were living in these cities that were formerly Judah and Israel. So Strabo believed that they were ran out of there by the Nabataeans, but that don't matter. Strabo is telling us that these Edomites joined with the Judeans, which is true under the time of John Hyrcanus, even though they were forced into it, and, and Alexander Jan Janius, and that they shared in the same customs. The Edomites, Josephus said, became Judeans. They were all circumcised and began to practice the religion of Judea. And Josephus makes that very clear. So well, we and, have, see, and, this, and this is where the, the Jews, the people we know as Jews today, this is kind of where the, this whole paradigm that we're in now really got started, where, okay, the, the true Israelites screwed up, so God booted us out, and we got deported. Um, so then backfills these, you know, these Jews, and you know the, the Judeans hadn't been deported yet. They started mixing in, and then assuming the identity of Judeans when they when they are not. 
Right. And and that's how they're identified in the New Testament. And and this is their their kind of their bullshit claim to Palestine today is well, this is where we've always lived. Right. They're they're no more is the Jews are no more Israelites than Puerto Ricans can be Spaniards. Exactly. Or a Mexican can be a Texan. Right. Or a Guatemalan can be an Oklahoman. You know, it, or, or a street shitter can be an Englishman. <laughs> <laughs> or an Irishman, yeah. Well, we could carry this analogy on for a long yeah. time in that diverse places. But this is what happened... In, in um, there, there was a policy of population replacement in second century Judea, what, where the Edomites came in, and there were so many of them they couldn't get rid of them, so they forced them to convert. It, it's like teaching a kafir that that he has to speak English and and dress a certain way to be an Englishman. And 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 we have all these niggers in in London that that are called Englishmen by by the English media and and the English government and they're considered to be Englishmen now simply because they moved to England. Yeah, if you can pass a test and be granted citizenship on a piece of paper, oh, now you're a now you're an Englishman. Yeah, now you're British. Well, I was or I was born here. Well, well right. So we have this Strabo said in another place. And in, in, in um, his 16th book of his geography, in, in chapter 2, paragraph 2, Strabo said that the Judeans were mixed up with the Edomians. Is Strabo a liar? Is Josephus a liar? We have two clear witnesses here. One of them is a Judean and a Pharisee. Josephus was a Pharisee. He was writing probably about from 70 to 90 AD he did most of his writing and the other one is a Greek pagan what does he care about the religious disputes in Judea and he's dead before the time of Christ and and he says the same thing Josephus said he, he just expressed it differently because Josephus being an insider knew the details to a much higher degree, Strabo is an outsider simply giving a testimony of what he saw. So while Strabo's account is not so precise historically like that of Josephus, it certainly is a good and true witness to the circumstances in Judea in his own time. And he wasn't a Christian, and never in his extant writings did he criticize Jews or Judeans, and he can't justly be accused of inaccuracy or bias. So we have two clear historical witnesses. Now we could go to the New Testament with these two clear historical witnesses and understand why Christ told his opponents in the temple, you are not my sheep. You do not believe me because you were not my sheep. A few generations... <clears throat> after this um, incorporation of the Edomites into Judea. A few generations later, around 40 BC, Herod, who was an Edomite, usurped the kingdom. He's identified four times, four different times by Josephus as an Edomite. And Josephus was a personal friend of Herod Agrippa II, who was a descendant of this first Herod. He was the grandson of this first Herod.
or the great-grandson, one or the other. Josephus had inside information on Herod's family through his friendship with Herod Agrippa too. So Josephus must have known what he was talking about when he identified Herod on both sides of his family as being an Edomite, and he did that like four times in his writing. Around 40 BC, Herod the Edomite, the Jews love to call him Herod the Great, right? He usurped the kingdom of Judea. First he married the daughter of the high priest. Her name was Mariam. His name was also Hyrcanus. And then he slew her entire family, and he bribed the Romans to be made king in their place. His treachery was challenged by the Parthians, but it was not successful. Even before this, Herod's father, Antigonus, had tried to bribe the Parthians to support his own coup, but he failed where his son later succeeded. His son bribed the Romans. He did a lot better, right? When Herod became king, he slew all the chief men of Jerusalem and all of the men of the ruling family of priests, which he possibly could, and he installed his own people into the bureaucratic structure and the leading posts of the priesthood in a temple. That condition was left unchanged until 70 AD, when Jerusalem was finally destroyed by the Romans. Christ and his apostles resisted this Edomite subversion of Judea, and this was the reason for all of the strife and contention between them and the so-called Judeans, most of whom were Edomites by that time. So in Romans chapter 9, Paul makes a plea for his brethren, his kinsmen according to the flesh, for those whom are Israelites. And he goes on to compare Jacob and Esau. Esau is the ancestor of the Edomites. None of this can be understood without understanding the history that I have just provided. And churchmen never endeavored to obtain this understanding, nor even realize why it's important. That's because Jews have controlled the direction of Christian doctrine since the second century AD. To a great degree. Yeah, and see, yeah, there's there's another key point. Um, so our, our people lionize these Jews because we don't know who we really are, and they don't. We don't know who they really are, right? We don't know who they are. Yeah, and the the, the trend lately in politics now seems to be towards identity politics. So hey, well, they have white identity. Well, what is white identity? Let well, let's let's walk it back to the origins of white people. I mean, I think people are, are starting to, at least on the surface now, there's a greater awareness of, hey, wait a minute, these guys coming in from the southern border, they're not the same as we are. They don't they don't have the same, you know, it's not just skin color. They don't act the same. They're, they don't have the same culture. They don't have the same work ethic or productivity. They're just not, they're not the same as we are. So it, it's starting to dawn on people, I think. Well, well, the problem is that, that, that Jews teaching evolution have too many of our people convinced that we sat in the ice in northern Europe. We were basically ice shitters, right? And, and never built anything 
for for tens of thousands of years. Well, when the truth is that there's nothing there, there's no archaeology there, that there's no um, infrastructure that's ever been uncovered in Northern Europe, which can be shown to have supported a significant population for a long period of time during extremely cold temperatures in the past, the glacial age and all that. We were not ice shitters. We didn't come from Northern Europe. We ended up in Northern Europe. That was our um, white flight from, <laughs> from 600 BC. We ended up in Northern Europe, but we came from Mesopotamia and, and ultimately from the Levant. So and modern civilization has been built by white people. Well, well right. The, the Germans, most of those Germanic tribes never did anything in Germany before five or 600 B.C., and, and there's a simple reason for that, because most of those Germanic tribes didn't get there until five or 600 B.C. And, and even then, th there was a thousand-year period of migration of tribes from Mesopotamia and Central Asia into Germany and, and Western Europe, so for a thousand years that there was that there was a constant um confluence of tribes and movements of people um that that made it and and war between the tribes and and competition for territory as new tribes were moving in that made it really impossible for the germanic people to build anything um, lasting in, in Germany and in, in Central and Western Europe for a long time. I, I mean, the story in the Far West is very different because those people were settled there for a much longer time and they had gotten to Western Europe by sea. That's a whole different story. The, the Proto-Celtic people and, and the early British people, the Irish people. But, yeah, according to evolution, we're white because we evolved in the north and we didn't get as much sun and blacks are black because they're closer to the equator. Well, well right, but now we've had niggers in Minnesota for a couple of hundred years and none of them have turned white yet and we've had whites in South Africa for many hundreds of years and none of them have turned brown yet. Why did evolution stop? Yeah, but they'll tell you that it's 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 going on all the time. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's not that's not why we're white. But well, no, and and we're not successful because of our geography, and and we're not white because of our geography. It's it's all a Jewish trick. It's another Jewish trick to convince the goy. Yep, absolutely. It it convinces the goy to give up the the literary history of their past, the things that are actually recorded, what which are found in the classics and in the scripture. <clears throat> well, nobody nobody reads scripture, and uh, history is lost on most people. 
Well, apostolic Christianity was never actually taught in the churches. It was persecuted out of existence from the days of Claudius and Nero, and early Christian writers such as Tertullian and Minucius Felix and others attribute that persecution not to pagans, but to the Jews who were always inciting the pagans. That is only a continuation of the same pattern which we see in the later chapters of the book of Acts. But an early schism among Christians occurred, of which the beginnings are also evident in Acts in chapters 14, 15, and 22, and in Paul's epistle to the Galatians. Judean Christians, under the influence of the Pharisees, insisted upon retaining the Old Testament ritual laws, which Paul of Tarsus had correctly taught were done away with in Christ. In the West, Paul's teachings prevailed, but in the East, the Judaizers that he fought with ultimately prevailed. So Justin Martyr, and this is just an example, Justin Martyr, a Samaritan in Judea, and under the tutelage of Judaizers who rejected Paul of Tarsus completely, began to teach replacement theology because he was ignorant of the historical teachings of both Paul and Luke. Clement of Alexandria, another um, prominent early Christian writer, a Gnostic, also taught replacement theology. This is the foremost poisoning of Christianity since it legitimized the Jews that the apostles had considered to be devils. From there, other false doctrines arose, such as Trinitarianism, which paves the way for accepting the false idea that the Jews worship the same God as Christians do, even if they do not accept Christ. And all of that is a lie. So, early Christian, do Christian doctrine was poisoned and fought over from the second century. And, and there's plenty of records of that. And that poison came from the Jews. The later Catholic Church eventually inherited many of its traditions from a line of Christian writers that were taught or heavily influenced by Clement of Alexandria, Origen, and Eusebius. Even though Origen was later condemned, Jerome, the translator of the Vulgate, had his own Christian schooling from Didymus the Blind, a student of Origen and the influences of this Alexandrian school, beginning with Clement, who was steeped in Jewish Gnosticism, prevailed in many ways in the later Catholic Church. And and these people were, were they weren't good for Christianity. If you read Clement of Alexandria, Origen, Eusebius, that they have um, tons of things that are clearly contrary to scripture in, in their writings. Nevertheless, certain Christian bishops prevailed on the basis of the gospel. One such prominent bishop being Ambrose under Emperor Theodosius I. Because of him, Jews were completely ostracized and even expelled from Christian lands from the 4th century, beginning with Byzantium and then by the Franks and the Goths of Iberia. As a result, because Jews were expelled from all these Christian nations, the Mohammedan religion was contrived by Jews as a means of unifying and militarizing 
the Arab masses who were left out of Christianity. There were no apostles to, to the Arabs in Arabia. They were all accursed bastards. See, and th there's another key point that is lost on people. Uh, you know, we're getting the Muslim invasion in Europe now, and um, they're like, well, they're not as bad as the Jews or whatever. And no, they're the same devils. They're just a little dumber on average than the Jew is. Well, well, right, and Islam was originally devised so that Jews could destroy Christianity. And, and initially that failed. I mean, Charles Martel threw, threw them out of France, that they couldn't get past um, Kosovo, and, and they tried time and again to get past Kosovo. It took them until 1453 to destroy the Byzantine Empire, and then they really got holed up in the Balkans for a long time, trying to get into Central Europe. Eventually, they had wars with the Poles, with, with Poland, that the Poles won. And, and eventually, they had Vienna under siege, but they lost. And when they failed in, in their invasions, the Jews were set back many centuries even if the invasions of the Muslims had persisted to the end of the 17th century, when they couldn't get into France and, and they couldn't get it past the Balkans, they were really set back many centuries in their plan to destroy Christianity. So the Jews began a systematic infiltration of Christianity until they could corrupt or subvert whatever sound doctrines which remained. And, and that began in the Middle Ages, and that is finally coming into fruition today. What with the popes like this clown that goes around kissing niggers' asses and, and, and feet and falling all over them. He, he's the result of these, that these, um, this Jewish infiltration of the Catholic Church that began probably in the 1300s, in the 1200s. Yeah, I think the the key point that, you know, I've tried to explain to this some people on Gab, and they're just, they, they just can't believe it. I'm like, no, this is the invasion of Gog and Magog. That's what these Muslims are. This is the Jew letting in the Muslim. That's Gog and Magog. Well, well that Camp of the Saints um, scenario is so clear that the Jews are Satan, and, and all these other nations are being brought against the camp of the saints. Uh, I don't know how you could not see that. It, it just kind of slaps you in the face once you identify those parties correctly. Yeah, I, I tried explaining that to some people last week, and they're like, no, 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 Israel is Israel. This, this is not Gog and Magog. No, no, no. And they, you know, they're like, you don't know the Bible, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, no, you don't understand who Israel is. And they just they just can't comprehend that just because it says Israel on the map, they think that's Israel. Yeah, right. And 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 wow. I I, I don't even know how to counter that stupidity, right? But because it was that's why I mean, Maybe people think, like, hey, what are these guys droning on about Strabo and Josephus for? Well, because it fucking matters of what's going on today. That's why. Well, well absolutely. If you don't have the parties that the people identify correctly in antiquity, 
H how can you identify him correctly today? It's it it's it it absolutely matters because these people that these same people these Jews we call them Jews that these same people that have infiltrated England today 200 years ago and intermarried with the whole nobility they're all kikes they're all Jews even if they're not Jewish in re in their religion and their profession this whole English nobility has intermarried with these Jews and today they're English they're English today just like they were Edomites in the second century BC but they were Judeans in the first century BC the same thing happened once they were converted to to Judaism they began to intermarry with all of the white people of Judah and create generations of bastards well, well they did it in England in the 1900s if you could see it how they did it in England in the 1900s and most white nationalists would agree that they in intermingled with the, the nobility in England and, and that a lot of these English nobles of today are kikes most white nationalists would agree with that if they know anything about England since the time of Disraeli and they, they can't see that that was the same thing that happened in Judea a hundred years before Christ I, I don't know why that's not so hard and if you read Josephus and Strabo it's right there in front of your face well I think the big hang-up for a lot of people is like when you show them a map of the Middle East they think that you know these these sand niggers have always lived there and white people never lived there right yeah right well they'll believe that Egyptians used to be white they'll believe that Persians used to be white they'll believe that the people in India used to be white and some of them were but why can't they believe it about Palestine yeah see they've got the hang up there uh, that that's that's where the big the big that's where they get caught right. The, right the truth is that even the Arabs weren't dark un until after the time of Islam what when they started engaging in 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 the slave trade and the Jews were behind that because a lot of those Arabs were Jews and they started engaging in a slave trade and and intermarrying under Islam their old pagan ways prevented them from intermarrying with what with the Negroes in Africa but under Islam that there are no racial distinctions and everybody is the same and everybody should intermarry everybody else so they convert their slaves to Islam and and they'd be legitimate where they weren't legitimate in the past yet you know in in distant antiquity Islam basically approved of all that well, I mean, how satanic is that where everyone is the same? I mean, that's just it's 100% Jewish. North Africa was white and and it became brown after the dawn of after it was converted to Islam. Sicily was white and it became brown after it was converted to Islam. Same thing with Greece. Greece was white un until it was inhabited by by Arabs and Turks for 500 years and and they would bring up slaves or, or the children the half black children of slaves from the the sub-saharan area or, or from the Saudi Peninsula 
and they would marry them. They would intermarry with them. Uh, I mean, it was a thousand-year process to turn the Levant into a brown population from what was a white one. In fact, many of the inhabitants of, of the Levant before the coming of, of the Arabs and the forced conversions to Islam in, in the 7th century, many of the inhabitants of the Levant were actually Greeks and Romans. Yeah, but today you, you tell people, uh, you know, stuff like that. It just it would just won't it just just doesn't click with them. They can't accept that 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 Israel and in well, Syria, well, right, you know, but it's happening it's, now in New York and Atlanta and Chicago and Detroit. It's the same thing all over again. I, I know it's like this. It's all <laughs> this immigration crisis that we're seeing today is some unique uh, thing in history. Yeah, right. The Jews have been doing it. I, I mean, the Jews were behind Islam, and, and they um, they developed the doctrines of Islam, and they're behind all the race mixing that happened then. Jews have always been behind race mixing. That that's um that the original sin of the fallen angels. In, in the Book of Enoch is the race mixing that they did, the corruption of God's creation. And and they're still perpetrating those same sins today. Yeah, you know, that's my point, is that their nature doesn't change. They're infiltrators and subverters today, and they were infiltrators and subverters a thousand years ago and two thousand years ago and three thousand years ago. Their nature has never changed. No, they're, they're the same. They're the exact same. The playbook never changes once you catch on to it. It's just so few people take the time to see what's going on. Well, I'm not... There, there's so many... that there, there are so many rabbit holes that there are all through Christian history. Not all Christian writers were of the same mind even concerning the Jews. And, and the biggest culprit in that problem is the lack of understanding Jewish identity. We've had this problem for 2,000 years, that the Jews are not the ancient Israelites. A lot of medieval Christian writers took it for granted that they were Israelites and didn't study the history. So in spite of the historical reality, for 2,000 years, Jewish identification with Israel has been taken for granted, even though it is challenged frequently in the Gospels and in the Epistles of Paul. An equality of the terms Judah, Judea, and Jew is taken for granted, but those terms are not, they, they don't all mean the same thing. Judah is a tribe. Judea was a multi-ethnic Roman political province. It was never a tribe. Judaism was the name of the prevailing religion practiced by the majority population of that province regardless of their race. And Jew is what we call those who retained that religion in the historic times, regardless of their race. But those terms aren't all equal. St. Augustine was preaching toleration for the Jews, but other bishops around that same time, like Ambrose, demanded that they be ostracized. Thomas Aquinas in the 12th century was preaching toleration of the Jews and even of their religion. 300 years later, the Dominicans 
because Thomas Aquinas was a Dominican, his fellow Dominicans just before the Reformation sought to force the Jews to burn their Talmuds. That's what kicked off the Reformation. That was the catalyst that kicked off the Reformation. Because Martin Luther would have never been successful if the Jews weren't mad at the Pope for wanting to burn the Talmuds and the Jews threw all their weight behind Martin Luther. That's what happened. Yeah, I mean, the Jews, what are they preaching today? Um, they, you know, okay, right now, as we speak, I'm going to the, uh, uh, I'm on the SPLC website, the SPLcenter.org, uh, SPLcenter.org. This is what we do, fighting hate, and they show Nazis there, um, teaching tolerance, and, you know, it shows, you know, one white girl surrounded by, you know, muzzies and, and other Negroids. And seeking justice and support our work, you know, our priorities, hate and extremism, children's rights, economic justice, immigrant justice. Well, well right. Well, in the Middle Ages, in, in the 14 and 1500s, and, and I covered this in great detail in a series of programs on the Reuschland Affair. Reuschland was one of the, defend, one of the Christian defenders of the Jews who had the position that the Jews should be allowed to keep their Talmud. And the Talmud is a collection of really evil, vehemently anti-Christian writings. They're not only anti-Christian, they're anti-anything that's Jew not Jewish, right? They hate everything that's not Jewish. Well, Christians realized that it, if um, the society was going to be safe from the Jews, that these writings had to go. They didn't really necessarily want to get rid of the Jews, that they had too much um, empathy for them, and, and they were too altruistic, but they realized that the writings were evil and had to go. So they tried to, these Dominican monks were trying to get rid of the Talmud um, just 20 years, 30 years before Luther, and not even 30 years, I don't think, and, and they failed to be able to get rid of the Talmud. Eventually the popes let them keep the Talmud, but the Jews had experienced that several times in European history, and the Jews hated the, um, and, and they saw it as dangerous, the absolute authority of the popes, even though some popes would sometimes yet you know decide in favor of the Jews they hated that absolute authority and they wanted to destroy it so they threw all their weight behind Luther and the Reformation and and that was a big part of why Luther was able to succeed I, I mean it, it it wasn't a guarantee that he would have failed without the Jews but with them he had a hell of a lot easier time especially since they owned all the printing presses back then they were pretty much in control of the printing presses back then. Well, just like today, they own the media, they own Hollywood, um, and even uh, even some some mainstream people now are starting to look at the Jewish question and how they dominate. You know how they're overrepresented in certain areas like finance and law. Yeah, right. Because they always favor each other. That's how they dominate. They always favor each other. They do it openly. They do it without fear. You know, white people were subject to equal opportunity 
employment and all that, and, and uh, were subjected to, uh, uh, you know, uh, oh, what the hell is that program? Uh, to get uh, minorities more jobs. Uh, oh, it's right at the tip of my tongue here. Um, well, well, it's crucial to our cause that we assume, I, I believe this sincerely, that we assume a correct perspective on Jewish identity. I, I've said this before in podcasts, and I have to say it again, that so long as evangelical Christians think that the Jews are the legitimate Israelites, the legitimate offspring of Abraham, they'll just recall Genesis chapter 12, verse 3 where God speaks to Abraham and says, I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And with this, the evangelical Christian will never curse the Jews, but only seek to bless them, imagining that they could be blessed in return. You'll never, as long as the evangelical Christians think that the Jews are Israel, you're never going to overcome their support for Jews. Because they think that they're pleasing God by loving these Jew bastards, these absolute satanic devils. But Christ told the Jews, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth. And most modern whites follow after these Jews. The, the truth is that what we speak the truth all the time, and the Jews seek to kill us for it. They seek to silence us. That, they, that they're following the same pattern. And most modern whites are siding with the Jews rather than noticing the pattern. The, the typical Jewish behavior. You can't say anything about the Holocaust in, in 24 countries. You go to prison. Yeah, luckily you can talk about it here. And uh, okay, yeah, I was trying to—I was trying to think of a, a, affirmative action is what I was trying to think of. And yeah, just real quick. So the Jews are always networking with each other and promoting each other and boycotting goy people, and they subject us to affirmative action, equal opportunity, and employment laws, diversity. And yet there's there's no diversity with them. I mean, Israel today is a is a uh, as an ethno state, but white people cannot have an ethno state. Right. Which, you know, we're supposed to get mixed up with Guatemalans and El Salvadorans and whatever the hell else, and yet we're supposed to worship Jews in Israel because they're trying to stay separate. Well, well there's all kinds of stories about Africans right now, black Africans in Israel, and Israel's deporting them. And, and there's no negative press about it because the Jews control the media. Yeah, I mean the, the woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Christ called them hypocrites time and time again. Well, and that's what they are. Well, well, that's the bottom line, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I mean, Kevin McDonald has it wrong on Jewish identity, and and we're never going to fix this mess until we find out the truth about Jewish identity. These people are not the Israelites of the Old Testament. They're not the 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 people of God. They don't have these special privileges from God. They, they claim all this for themselves and, as a trick to fool the goyim. And, and they have generations of good Christian people fooled that, that they're saintly and they're really devils. Yeah, they, they are devils. And they're, they're starting to reveal themselves. I mean, if a guy like 
Patrick Little is coming out running for office, and 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 you heard him. I mean, he's like, this is the greatest evil that we have to stop. I mean, uh, for a while there, they could their program was kind of run in the background, but now with every city getting flooded, it's becoming painfully obvious what's going on with these people, and that they're just they're going out of their way to destroy us. Well, well, I spent a great deal of time just trying to um, find out how best to package that this that this message about Jewish identity for mainstream Christians. And and the bottom line is, it's hard to get any of them to actually read it and and to check out the sources to verify it. I mean, you're going up against a lot of conditioning, you know, and like I've, I've run into the same thing with, with 9-11 and people are like, well, didn't the, the jet fuel take down the building? And it's the most ridiculous goddamn thing that you've ever heard. But there's so many people cling to that, that, you know, I just, at a certain point you have to, you, you kind of get discouraged. You're like, my God, I can't believe how people don't see this, but, but they don't. Well, well I, I don't know. The odds are incredible, but well, we have to succeed. We have to fight the fight anyway. I, I, I don't... I, I can't well, imagine giving up. Well, no, no, there's no quitting me either. I, I keep thinking, well, I'm going to go do something else, or I'm, you know, eventually I'm going to... I'm not going to do this, this research stuff anymore, but I never seem to quit. I keep fighting, and we're, we're supposed to fight. We're supposed to struggle... You know, we're not going to quit. Um, I, I'm convinced that it, at a certain point the tide is going to turn, but I, I don't know when that is, and it may not even be in my lifetime. Well, thanks for being here, Don. Well, thanks for having me again, Bill, and uh, um, hopefully people can hear this message and investigate what we're saying and... Uh, and find out the true identity of the Jews. Right. Go read Antiquities, Book 13, and, and read Strabo's Geography, Book 16. Uh, I mean, that that stuff's available free online. You, you could go to the Perseus Project at Tufts University or, or one of any number of sources and, and find Strabo for free online in English and Greek and, and find Josephus for for free online or, or a copy of his complete works is available for about $13 at Christian bookstores. It's not expensive. Look up Antiquities of the Judeans, book 13 and, and read it and, and you'll see exactly what I'm speaking about. All the citations are there that, that um, all those Edomites and, and other people were converted forcibly and thereafter were, were considered to be nothing else but Jews or Judeans, which is what the Greek says, it, it's clear as day. Uh, I don't know how you could miss it. And, and once you see that, how could you imagine that these people today are ancient Israel? It, 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 it boggles my mind that they're um, of mixed race. And, and Paul of Tarsus in Romans 9 says, God hated Esau. So you really have to wonder, are these people really God's chosen people? Or are they somebody else? Well, there's somebody else and they're identity thieves 
Absolutely. And, and we're going to expose them. Well, we're going to keep trying. I, I hope that um, at least some of the supporters of Patrick Little listen to this entire program and, and at least ask the same questions. Thank you, Don. Thanks, Bill. And, and we'll see you in a few weeks with the next um, End Times report, which is on immigration, right? Yeah, we'll have another uh, uh, cheery, upbeat uh, immigration report for you. <laughs> Wonderful. I'm sure that'll be optimistic and positive about our um, immediate future. Okay. All right, Bill. God bless. Praise Yahweh. God bless. And good. Bye.